But today what we're actually doing is we're going to be continuing our series on mission, vision, values, which we've been doing for the past three weeks. Um, and we did mission and sort of our history and mission and vision two weeks ago. Last week we did talked about our values and we did three of our six values. And sorry to ask you again, Sarah, take your time though. If you could just find the list of values from last week um, somewhere in there, that'd be great. No hurry. Um, we did three of our values and then this week, there we go. She's fast, dude. I know, seriously. Give her a hand. Um, she'll do, she'll put dumb jokes up there too. You know, she just, she really takes one for the team every time. Um, so we have been talking about our values and these are, these are our six values. And today we'll be talking about deep relationships, everyday outreach, and growing leaders. So we'll leave that up so you can kind of keep track of those. And we just wanted a chance to be able to talk about these more in depth. These are things that when we talk about values, it's kind of a combination of things that we think God really, really values and that he has already had as, as values as part of our community, that have things that have kind of been made, made our church and our family churches be the way we are, but they're also a mixture of that and things that we think God really wants us to value and to grow in. So it's not just a list of the things that we're like just baller at, that we're like, yes, yes, we feel great. Here's our best strengths. These are things we think God values and really wants our community to value highly and prioritize a lot. And so that's just a little recap on the, um, those values. And then am I starting? Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. All right. Once again, Leslie and I are, are going back and forth, and we kind of planned it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how many of the same things we said. Um, so the first one we're talking about is deep relationships. Deep relationships. In the Bible, we see that God really cares about relationships. He cares about our relationship with him, and he cares about our relationship with each other, human to human, really important to him. Across the Bible, God routinely sets up definitions of human relationships that are at the very least, like, not the most convenient or intuitive, but at the most, they could be said to be, like, fairly audacious and controversial. Um, Jesus carries this thread along as well. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. Very high bar being set for love there. Um, He also says in John 15, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus sets friend in this really high category. So we talk about deep relationships. There's there's so much there in the Bible that talks about this. Um, Think about all the other relationships Jesus could have said there. He could have said some relationships that maybe would have been seemed to hold sort of a higher honor in the time and the culture at the time. Laying down your life for your parent or your child or your spouse, etc., or your boss, if you know, whatever. But he decided to call out friend, which is broadening it to something that includes all of us because anyone can be anyone's friend. There's no rules about that, right? And what great love it is to love your friend more than yourself is what Jesus is saying here. So much that you'd lay down your life for them. And then in other places, Jesus, you know, there's this great, really controversial situation where his mother and his brother are trying to, to talk to him and, and kind of pull him out from this crowd. And he just says, you know, who's my mother? Who's my brother? Whoever does the will of God, my mother, my brother. So this way that Jesus talks about relationships, this way that God sets up these high barriers and kind of confuses some of our assumptions about relationships is something that we really need to pay attention to as a church. And Jesus didn't just say stuff like this. He was purposeful with his relationships. He invested deeply in people. He spent a lot of time with the same people, and he spent time with strangers, too. He endured frustrating times with people. He worked to cultivate deep and purposeful relationships. Then all this time with these disciples and some other folks that are following around. And he then also went and laid down his life for his friends. He um, said that and did it as well. We see Paul really take this thread 
and continue it and broaden it. When he uses phrases like brothers and sisters, starts using this family kind of phrasing, which I think also really evokes this deep relationships thing that we really need to take seriously. Um, we talked about this a lot in the New Testament Foundations class, just a shout out there. But the fact that Paul and that the early church will be using the phrases like brother and sister to people that they weren't like blood related to would have been really weird. In fact, it might have even been like something that the Roman kind of culture and, and rules and norms would have frowned upon and thought, what, what are those guys doing over there? This is not okay. No one calls someone who's not their blood relative, their brother or their sister like that. Um, so it's kind of controversial, but it's not just an attempt to be like weird or different. You know, like people love when Christians try to just be weird and different just for the sake of it, don't they? Like that always works. Like when you take like the got milk shirt, you change it to like got God. And then people are like, whoa, that is cool. What do you believe? Can I believe it too? You know, stuff like that. When we just try to be different just for fun. But that's not what, what Paul's doing here. That's not what the early church was doing here. That, that joke really offended Grant. He is like, he's like, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to go get my got God shirt at home. Um, it wasn't just to be different, just to be fun or whatever. Uh, this was a part of the early church because it was deeply connected to their faith, their theology. God made a way for all these people in the early church by believing in and following Jesus to become a part of God's family, the family of God. From God's covenant with Abraham to now, God's building his family. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? So we talk about deep relationships. This is what we're talking about. He didn't say, Abraham, I'm going to make you a large religious institution out of you. Get excited, buddy. We're making a big institution, making a large family, inviting people in. And so these people in this early church calling themselves brothers and sisters to each other, they were part of a new family where they belonged. They were welcome. They were part of something new that God allowed a way in. And so that's the kind of closeness that they experienced and that, you know, Jesus talking about the closest of friends, Paul talking about the closest of brothers and sisters. It's something that we really need to, to, to see as, a, as God's vision for community and something that we all need to contribute to. Because of the way the Father thinks about it and the ways that Jesus and Paul continue to explain and exemplify that in the New Testament, we think one-on-one deep relationships are super important, and it's something that we value heavily as a church, and we think we really need to, that God wants us to. One-on-one is how it's done. That's this like phrase, this axiom that can be kind of confusing. That's all it really means. It's just that one-on-one relationships, one-on-one friendships, the way we build those together is very important to our community. That's how we grow. That's how we encourage. That's how we help each other. Not as colleagues, you know, not as just attendees together, but as brothers and sisters. And remember, it's not about receiving. When we think about these kinds of relationships, wanting really deep relationships, it can be pretty easy, I think, to start thinking, yeah, I really want that. I want whatever somebody else could give me in that kind of relationship. But it really is about giving. Another thing that Jesus said is way, way better to give than to receive. So laying down your life, loving others more than yourself, that's this thread that Jesus has talking about friendship. So if we're all more concerned about the loving that we are doing and not about what we are or are not receiving from others, then we're actually following what Jesus is saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yes. (laughs) If we're all more concerned about the loving that we are doing and not about what we are or are not receiving from others, then we're actually following what Jesus is saying. And a bunch of people focused on the loving they're doing ensures that there is plenty of love to go around, plenty of deep relationships to go around. There's not going to be a lack of it. But it's only once we start turning inward, thinking about ourselves, that that well just kind of dries up. There's not plenty to go around. We're all worried about ourselves. That's one of the classic you know, human errors there. So there's just no way I have time to get as personal 
on deep relationships that I'd like to. There's like a bunch of things I'd love to say that are like on the personal stories kind of side. But I would say one of the greatest gifts, richest joys I've had in following Jesus by far has been deep relationships with my brothers and sisters. Um, and that's just been the best. Those relationships are hard. They take a lot out of you. You get annoyed with each other. You hug and you make up. You call or text somebody in the middle of the night, or you get called or texted in the middle of the night. Like brothers and sisters. It's been so good for me to be challenged and encouraged and loved by many of the people in this room. And one of the primary ways that God has grown me is through other believers who are deeply committed to him. That's one of the primary ways. He's spoken through people countless times. What's been probably even better for me, though, is being put in situations where I have to love my brother or my sister more than myself. That has been better for me. That's often way more rewarding and growth-inducing than receiving something from somebody else. I'm not claiming to be good at this at all, because I think if I was, it might be, like, easier, you know? And I might be like, this is great, this is easy. It's not, but it is very hard, and it's been very good for me to be in situations where I need to love somebody more than myself, think about them more than myself. It's the best thing I can think of in the whole world to have siblings like Leslie and Kurt and Sean and Brad and Plache and Vianette and Bristow and Melissa and Grant and Dawn and Shayla and many more than that and more people every year that I call brother and sister that I get to know in that way and continue growing in that relationship. It is the best. I just, I can't tell you. It is such a huge blessing, but it starts with giving. It starts with being one who wants to love that way and you'll find there's plenty to go around. Okay. Um, so one of the things I want to build off that he said is just how hard this can be and how it takes time. Sometimes you develop a deep relationship that happens really quickly. You just connect with a person. It's super easy. But most of the time, especially once you're out of college, deep relationships take a lot of time. Yeah. And so you have to be willing to plant seeds, to take risks and to wait for God to grow those, to cultivate those. But it's worth it, like Josh was saying, to get that deep relationship, so be patient. Um, There are two things that I wanna point you to. One is the one another passages that are in scripture. I think give us a good look at what it means to have deep relationships. They talk about things like encouraging one another, showing hospitality to one another, being devoted to one another, keep loving one another, which I think is such interesting wording, keep loving as if Paul knew how difficult it was gonna be for us to love one another. Serve one another, comfort one another, bear each other's burdens, forgive one another, be kind to one another, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another. And those are just a few of them. If you just go on and you Google one another passages in scripture, it'll bring up a list of all of those passages for you. And I would say that those are a good way to evaluate deep relationships and how you can build those. The second one is building off of love, like Josh said, and 1 Corinthians 13 is the passage there. We use 1 Corinthians 13 a lot to talk about romantic love but it is talking about how to love anyone. It's a great way to evaluate how you're doing in a marriage, but it's also a great way to evaluate how you're doing with your friends, with your family, with your roommates, with whoever that might be. And so I wanna read this to you, and I want you to think through, how am I doing at loving? 
If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. How are you doing at loving? Were you kind this past week? Were you easily angered this past week? Did you protect others this past week? Or did you give in to the temptation to gossip about them and say things about them that weren't kind? See, we can't just read the word just to check it off our list and say, oh, we love God's word. We've got that value down. We can't say we have warm community and act friendly to people at church, but then ignore them the rest of the week. We can't just show up to church and not participate. We can't just criticize and not be actively involved in building a community who make immature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. We apply these values out of our love for God and for his church community. Guys, it is way easier to love when you think about who this community belongs to. The one who loved us when we were at our worst. How can we love any differently? Out of hope that even though we're not perfect, our God is working to transform us together. And that's how deep relationships will be formed. The second value we want to talk about today is everyday outreach. And again, I could preach a whole sermon series on this one. And and so I had to pick just one or two things to focus in on. But in John chapter 1... I think Jesus really shows us what the everyday part of this means because when he calls his disciples, we hear him saying things like, come and see and follow me. And then we hear his disciples doing the same thing. He invited them. He invited them to come and see. He didn't force. He didn't manipulate. He didn't beg people. He invited them to come and see what he was doing and who he was. And we don't see in Jesus this big separation between ministry and the rest of his life. It was one thing. His ministry was his life. And many times as he went about his day, he had interactions with people. He spoke to people he encountered in their everyday lives. And he invited them into his everyday life. Follow me. Come and see. That's everyday outreach. Where does it take place? 
Everyday outreach takes place in neighborhoods, in coffee shops, at work, at home, with our families and our roommates, at church, in small group, in classes, in stores, in banks, in gyms, on pickleball courts, driving. And you may not think that some of the interactions that you have with people are important, but I'm telling you, even the smallest things can be important. And it's not to say that just, that we can just be Jesus to people and never tell them about him. We have to connect the dots there. We have to introduce them to him and be like him. Yeah. But when, um, when my youngest son was six weeks old, I had just gone back to teaching and I went back to teaching on a Thursday. On a Friday, Kurt said, I don't feel very good. And I was like, well, what feels wrong with you? And he was like, I just feel like I'm really full. And so he went to work that day, came home that night, and he was like, I feel really bad. And he never feels bad. And so then about 11 o'clock that night, he was like, I need to go to the ER. Like, something is wrong. And so I had a six-week-old baby. I had just gone back to teaching. I was exhausted. And now it's 11 o'clock at night, and we're going to go to the emergency room. So I called and got people to keep the kids, and we went to the emergency room, and he had an appendectomy. And so he was in the hospital for the next couple of days, and that Sunday was Mother's Day. And so I'm going to the hospital to visit him. I'm exhausted, and I'm driving through McDonald's to get some breakfast, and the guy behind me honks at me, but like I'm doing something wrong. And I just burst into tears. I was like, it is Mother's Day. My husband is in the hospital. I'm exhausted. Why are you honking at me? Little things like that can make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. It can be the difference between them having a good day and having a bad day. So don't write off the little things we can do. Right. Yeah. I also uh, was doing, Kurt and I were doing Guide to Decide with a couple at UTD when we lived in Wiley. And he called me one day and he said, I met a, a girl on campus today and she's having some relationship problems and she just wanted an older woman to talk to. And so I told her about you and I was wondering if you would give her a call. So I called her and we decided to meet up and so we met up and we just talked through some of her relationship issues. And then she just asked a couple of questions like about a church that she was going to. And so I asked her if she wanted to study the Bible, and she said that she didn't think she was ready for that yet. And so I was like, okay, and I gave her my phone number, and I told her she could call me if she wanted to talk anymore, or if she had any other questions. And before we left, she looked at me, and she went, are you going to invite me to your Jesus meeting? And I was like, my Jesus meeting? I was like, what is she talking about? And so I was like, I'm not sure what you're talking about, Janet. And she was like, you know the Jesus meeting that y'all have. And so she talked about it for a minute, and I went, oh, you mean church. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, church. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, if you want to come, I would love for you to come. So she comes to church, and then she comes up to me afterward, and she says, if I'm going to keep coming here, I need to understand this Bible thing that y'all read from. And I was like, oh, would you like to study the Bible? And she was like, I would love to. <laughs> but sometimes it's just super easy 
people are hungry and they're at a point where they want to know more about it. And just by having a conversation with her about relationships, I was able to do that with her. And I think all of us are in situations like that. We don't have to coerce people. We don't have to make them feel guilty. We don't have to, you know, tug and pull. We can just ask. We can just say, do you want to come and see? Do you want to know who Jesus is? They can say no, and I'll respect that. And all of us should. Jesus did. He respected people's no's. But that's how everyday outreach should look. Um, The testimonies that people have been giving on Sunday mornings have been about who reached out to them a lot of times. It's who was the person that made them start thinking, or who was the person that when they did start seeking Jesus was able to help them take the next steps. So my question to, to, to you is who reached out to you? Who was the person who reached out to you? And who are you reaching out to? And then if you're not, why aren't you? Why aren't you sharing Jesus with others? If he's really good news, if he's really the best thing in our life, then we're going to easily want to introduce people to him or at least ask them if they're interested in being introduced to him. So that's everyday outreach. A couple things to add is just one thing I think that connects really well to our mission is you know, to make immature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. And this is where we do that. There's a bunch of ways to do it. But this is part of our mission as a church. And so if we're not doing that, we really aren't doing what even God himself calls us to, what Jesus called us to. And so there's a lot of ways it can look, but we need to be trying to share. Like Leslie said, people can say no, but we need to be, if we care about, you know, what Jesus has done in our lives, when we feel like he's a big deal, and we need to be trying to. And I think Jesus exemplifies this kind of everyday approach a lot in his ministry as well. Like, he'd have his agendas and schedules and stuff, and I'm sure that sometimes the disciples were trying to keep him on it and were frustrated that he didn't always stick to it. But he wasn't so glued to them that he couldn't be flexible for an opportunity that came up. He'd be on his way to heal one person, and he'd get stopped by somebody and heal them too. He'd talked for a while to a woman at a well. He'd engage with some Pharisees and respond to their questions. He'd see a tax collector in a tree and invite himself over to his house for a long lunch. Like Jesus, just he saw the opportunities around. He wasn't so stuck on his agenda and his schedule that he wasn't willing to do whatever the Father put in his path, whatever opportunities were there. And his, he shows us that, and he shows us that it's, it's possible. It might feel a little crazy and a little chaotic, but it's really good. And um, we don't want people who are missing, missing out on that. We really should not, and Leslie said the same thing, should not underestimate just how powerful everyday outreach can be in these small ways and how much God can do with it. He's ready to give us opportunities and surprise us when we take them. He's ready to give us opportunities and surprise us when we take them. Yeah. I had this conversation recently. Ezra and I were at Home Depot, and I've been trying to think about this and, like, you know, not be in a hurry and have conversations with people and see what God's going to do. So I was talking with this guy who was—I was asking for help replacing this valve thing on this little hot water heater under our, um, under our sink. And he, he solved the problem pretty quickly, and then he was asking me some questions about Ezra— and then I started talking with him more, and I was like, okay, I'll just, we've got some time. Emma doesn't have to leave for work for about 45 minutes, so I've got some time to kill before I need to be home. So we started talking, and he started, I started asking him some questions too, and he started telling me this long story about how, and he's this guy, he's retired, and he's in his 60s, and somehow by these crazy turns of events, um, basically became the adopted father of this, this child that kind of came out of nowhere that... Um, him and his police uh, officer buddy basically found in a dumpster. No joke. So he starts telling me this long story, and then he takes me to church. I'll tell you what. 
he starts just preaching basically about how good God is and how he looks out for us and how um, basically I got outreached too when I was in the middle of thinking like I'll talk with this guy and see you know he's friendly he's you know whatever and it was just the most encouraging thing so sometimes if you're doing everyday outreach and you're trying to sort of like see what opportunities God provides in your in your daily life you will get encouraged by somebody else somebody else that's already doing it and already trying to to follow God's lead will encourage the heck out of you and you'll be very surprised and you'll be like I didn't I didn't have anything to offer that guy he's seen it all and he yeah, he's loved um, in a very Jesus-like way. So, anyway, that's a value that we we are really we really care about and we think really matters to God. Um, one of the things that we try to do when we talk about outreach too is like we try to kind of hit at two different definitions of outreach as individuals in our daily lives and then also as a community. What are things that as a community we can be doing that are outreach? We talked about Metro Auto um, and the fundraiser for that. That's a way that we can do that both in our with our dollars. But then also we have talked about ways that um, our church as a community can be involved in our in our the needs in our city. And we've talked about our daily bread is this low barrier shelter for the homeless and at risk in our city. And then the MLK Rec Center, where we first met as a church in our earlier days. Um, and they put on great events for the community and they love having our help. And we'd love to maintain and grow that relationship and continue to be part of the work that they're already doing in the community. So those are, those are ways that we can outreach in these like everyday unplanned things. And then also like we can plan, set aside time to do something really purposeful as a community that matters in our city. And so those are two things we really want to make sure kind of like both those definitions are, are nestled into everyday outreach when we talk about it. Um, a couple of verses that I thought of that I wanted to, to hit on is just in First John, he says this, um, Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Love must be shown, must be acted out. We know this, we know this, but it must be acted out, must be demonstrated, and it's not enough just to think the right things. To think that those people out there, God loves them, but hopefully someone else will tell them, you know? To think that those people out there, they have some needs, but hopefully someone else is going gonna, is gonna to help them. Um, to just to think the right things, all that does is make us Pharisees. That's all it does. And then you start thinking some weird things like the Pharisees did too. But we have to love in our action and be demonstrating it and act it out and live that way. In James, he says this, Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight. Guard against corruption from the godless world. We need to be a church that shares Jesus in action and truth in our daily lives while we're already doing whatever we're doing and also in these purposeful set-aside times that meet important needs in our city that we're aware of. Uh, so we've talked about opportunities to help with an event at the Martin Luther King Rec Center. Really try to, to pull that off and, and attend one of those. Last year when we did the, uh, the breakfast with the Grinch and Santa thing, we had like such a good turnout. It was so much fun. A ton of you guys came. And you get a chance to see like, man, dude, Helping with an event in our community that like is really fun for these kids and matters a lot and getting to work alongside the MLK staff is fun. It's awesome. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of planning and setting aside some time, but it's super fun and we get to do it together. Yeah. Uh, or we talk about volunteering at our daily bread. We've tried to kind of do that in this decentralized way where it's like the goal is if you can try to go volunteer there once a month. It's not that hard to pull off. It's not a crazy uh, barrier, not a crazy standard, but take a buddy with you. Like, you don't have to just go do it on your own. You get to hang out with your friend. Mia McGinty did that, I can't remember how long ago. And we got to talk in between doing things, and then sometimes we have to split up and do different tasks, and then we'd be back to picking up dishes. We get to talk a little bit and do that together. 
Um, it's just it's just fun. It works. We did that at the time that we normally hang out. We just like substituted it. So things like that. Just think about how you can devote time together to to be outreaching in our in our city. So that's everyday outreach. And now we're going to move on to our third third value for today: growing leaders. Growing leaders. And honestly, this is just this one's like this is how Jesus did it. We see that like demonstrated a ton. He invested in people. He taught them. And then before too long, he sent them out. Like in our mission statement, this is where we want to mature disciples to be able to send you out to lead as well. This is absolutely crucial to our contribution to the kingdom of God. It's not just enough to grow and mature myself and worry a lot about, am I becoming more a disciple I want to be, locked away in my study or something like that. We must replace ourselves. We must send people out. We need to have more leaders than we need. So we can send them somewhere else to reach somebody else, a new church plant or a new focus campus plant, whatever it is. This value does work two ways. We have to invest in and grow leaders, and we have to want to be grown as leaders. We have, what is that for you? Where are you there? Are you a leader? Are you helping grow other leaders? Do you think you aren't a leader for some reason? Do you think that's something you can't do? Are you willing to be grown into one? Because we want to grow you into a leader. Um, so those are some questions to ask yourself. Jesus doesn't put a lot of work into defining and setting aside like an elite status of leaders who are the ones who are specifically required to do all the things he didn't said. Have you noticed that? He doesn't really like be like preach two different sermons for the leaders, for everybody else. He, he calls all of us to this, you know, and um, and he's the one who equips us. He calls us. and He's the one who equips us. He knows you have something important to contribute to his kingdom. That's why he calls you. He knows you have something important to contribute to his kingdom. He wants you, and he will equip you. Remember when he sent his disciples out two by two? And how that might have been pretty bewildering if you haven't read that in a bit. But they didn't have anything. No extra clothes or gear. Most of the instructions were about things not to bring. (laughs) The Gospels, not written yet. They only had what they could remember Jesus had said. The Internet, they missed that by like a couple of years. wasn't there yet. (laughs) Jesus equipped them, told them they had what they needed, and he sent them out. We should be unstoppable. We have the internet. The Bible's with us all the time. It's already been written. We have all the clothes we could ever want. We can go wherever we want. We can drive faster than they could ever drive back then. We should be unstoppable. I also felt like they were getting a little sleepy, so I decided to like really underline that. So God wants you as part of what he's doing. You don't need the right personality or the right amount of school. He will equip you. And we want to help. One of the one-on-one Bible studies is this really great way, the way that Leslie just talked about that in outreach. If you want someone to study the Bible with you to continue growing in your study of the Bible or to start from, from scratch, we would love to do that. We would love to. We would love to help you understand the Bible more. Nothing will be more fun and more worth our time yeah. than to study the Bible with you. We would love to do that. Please let us know. We, um, we have a small group where we grow as disciples together and kind of encourage each other and challenge each other. It's the most fun thing ever. It's awesome. We grow together in a small group. We have book clubs like what Troy's doing this uh, semester where we get to grow and learn in a different way from a specific text and have conversations about it. And it's awesome. It's a great way to grow as a leader. Um, we have serving in various ways in our church. You've probably noticed there's always a bunch of times we're like, hey, we need someone to help with this. We need someone to help with this. That's a great way to grow in leadership by being responsible for something, something you've got to take care of that's on your agenda, on your radar that you've got to watch out for. Um, and we'd love to give you something if you want. Um, we have College of Ministry, which are some really great classes that we've started offering the past few years. 
um, that are basically their graduate level classes in Christian history, Old Testament, New Testament, various things that we've been planning for those. Those are the best. I took Old Testament and New Testament last year. It was awesome. It was the best. We'd love for you to take that. It's, it's hard work, but it will grow you as a leader. It really will. It's great. But the pastoral cohort, which is for people who want to grow and really think that, that ministry in some sort of pastoral way is in their future, those they're interested in it. They want to grow in the practical side of ministry, learning how to do that. And they want to learn skills from other ministers across our family of churches. We really care about growing you guys as leaders. We want to provide as many opportunities as possible from, from a one-on-one Bible study to the pastoral cohort. These are things that are available to you. And if you didn't know about those, that's actually pretty understandable, depending on how new you are. We want you to know about those things. And we want you to ask us about them. And we want to help you get you connected to those ways that you can grow. Just let us know. We want to grow you to a leader. We want to know where you're at. We want to help you. Yeah. You did? Yes. Yeah, so I don't have a whole lot to add to that other than if you're sitting there thinking, I'm not a leader... You need to know that everybody leads somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, it may not be, you may not be leading a small group. You may be leading just one person who looks to you. Yeah. But everybody's leading somebody because everybody has somebody that's looking at them and looking to them. Um, and so it's important that when we think about growing leaders, we're not just thinking about growing people who can be on staff. We're thinking about people that can lead wherever they are. Yeah. Um, because that's what's really important. And so I think that uh, you need to ask yourself the question, what kind of leader am I? You know, am I taking the responsibility for the leadership God has given me? Am I a good example um, to wherever it is that I'm leading? Am I doing the things that I would want other people to find important and to do if they're following Jesus or if they want to get to know Jesus? Um, for us here in our community, I think the example is to show up, to be here, and yeah. um, to be at events, to be at small group, to care about our church, to be engaged, to not complain, but to help make things better, yeah. to sacrifice, to give. It's more than just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. And then step up, take care of things when you see they're not being done. Don't just wait around for who, who's the person that's supposed to be doing this. Let me go find them. How about let's just get this done. Yeah. Meet people on Sunday morning. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to meet you during the week. Invite them to a small group. Lead a small group. Sign up for sound team. Guys, we've had this in the announcements for weeks, months probably. We need help with sound team. You can be trained to do that. You don't have to know a thing. We just need somebody and several somebodies that are willing to do it. Yeah. So step up where there is a need. At the very least, if it's not something that you think you're qualified for, at least ask and say, did some people sign up for that? And if the answer is no, then say, okay, I'm willing to learn how to do that. Oh, somebody will show me. Um, But it's going to be really hard to um, continue doing praise and worship and all the things that we do on Sunday morning if we don't have any sound. And that's kind of the point we're getting to. We're going to burn up the people that are doing it. And so we need people that will step into some of those roles. Um, But leaders, what kind of leader are you? Who are you leading? And what kind of leader are you going to be? 
just want to add one thing that the way that Jesus talks about <sighs> leadership is so different, so backward from what we think of. Like, we look if you look scroll through LinkedIn a little bit, like, golly, it's just the weirdest thing ever. But the way Jesus <laughs> talks about this is um, they have that elite kind of thing, whatever. The way Jesus talks about this, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them; those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be the servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it's just a really different definition of leadership than you might you know, intuitively think. But that's the way that Jesus exemplified it, to serve, to be the one who serves the most. And that's what it requires, really, is just serving, being willing to serve others. And you don't have to be great or know the most, and it's not about power, none of that stuff. It's just Jesus showed us this really different way of doing that by serving each other. So just some thoughts to close out. Our worship team is going to come up and um, play another song so we can kind of reflect on what we've heard today and also think about whatever God may be putting on your heart. Things I want you to think about, this is the same, basically the same question that I asked last week. Think about people in our community who have exemplified these values well. So the ones we talked about specifically today, deep relationships, everyday outreach, and... Um, uh, growing leaders, who has exemplified these well for you in your life and your walk with Jesus? And then the second question is, in what ways can you help our community uphold and grow in these values? So first, who has exemplified these well, and how can you help our community uh, uphold and grow in these values? I'm going to say a short prayer. Lord, thank you so much for just what you in our community, and who you are to us, and giving us so many examples of how to live, be, uh, grow, invest in people, love each other, and we just, um, we just cannot thank you enough for, um, for all that you've shown us. Now we just desperately need your help to follow you, to do, to do what you said. Help us to love like you do. Help us to invest in people like you do. Help us to have deep, close relationships like you do to love others more than ourselves. Help us to reach out to others and view our daily lives as an opportunity that you can use to reach whoever you want. Help us be just vessels and channels for what you're doing in our city and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and everywhere we may go. Here I'm praying it. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.